Welcome to Alfalfa, a free-flowing, irreverent, digestible, somewhat degenerate crypto podcast for all, powered by Collective Shift. Entrepreneurs and investors Armand Asadi, Nick Urbani, Steven Cesaro, and Eric Johansson dive deep into crypto, blockchain, DeFi, NFTs, the metaverse, and Web3, all while layering in the latest in tech, money, and politics, feeding you the alpha you need to grow. Make sure to check out CollectiveShift.io for crypto insights and alerts and use code ALFALFA for 50% off your first month. A friendly but serious reminder, this is not financial advice and is for entertainment only. Do your own research. Also, please subscribe to the show and tell your DGEN friends all about us. Now let us begin. Hi, we're literally in the same space for the first time ever. It took us 16 episodes to pull this off, and here we are. Feels good. Feels good, man. Feels really good. I mean, we see each other all the time in person, so this is weird that this is the first time we did this, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we've been doing it on Zoom, though, is is pretty weird, but like, we really wanted to do this. So we're doing it like MVP ghetto style, like literally sitting on uh, an online streaming app right now, looking at each other in the metaverse, but actually also in, in real life. So it's perfect. And um, yeah, I'm stoked. I think this will be really good. So let's kick this off. We're going to go right into the alfalfa fire round. We have um, three very interesting topics today, but first, hop in the Discord. Very important. Uh, Discord link is below. We're uh, sharing a lot of alfalfa there in between episodes. And uh, Nick, you want to mention the Collective Shift piece? Yeah, sure. Uh, sign up with the Collective Shift. Um, coupon code alfalfa to get 50% off. Uh, there was a recent share, or I guess a recent uh, investment that they made. Uh, Collective Shift you know, kind of maintains their own portfolio. And in September, they purchased a... DeFi token, uh, Maple Finance, recommended to members. And since then, it's about up 132%, which is pretty good for kind of a bearish market. So anyway, um, they're they're friends of the pod. Uh, We love them. We use them. So uh, yeah, use the code of alpha if you want to check them out as well. Yes. Awesome. Anything else before we dive in? I think that's it, right? That's that's good. All right, alfalfa fire round. Um, who's going to kick off? And then actually, let's give a quick summary of what this episode is going to be about. So um, maybe Nick, if you can mention our three segments. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to cover um, Yuga Labs a little bit, the the board ape ROI and their pitch deck that came around. We're going to do a little uh, COVID retrospective, just kind of looking back on it, and it's kind of a. Uh, uh, perfect that we're all together for this, even though we didn't care about it in the first place, but kind of uh, perfect for it. Uh, and then lastly, we're going to talk about behavioral uh, biases, particularly like behavioral finance. So fun topic. We talk about a lot uh, in person, so we'll cover that as well. So this is like according to the three segments that we said last time, we're going to stay consistent with this whole thing of like doing the alfalfa fire around, giving the alfalfa up front, going right into investing money, crypto, and then something related to politics, society, culture, and something related to life, health, whatever that might be. And uh, based on what people are saying in the Discord, it seems like they they really dig this uh, structure. So let us know what you think and let's do it. All right, cool. So fire round. Um, Steven, why don't you start? We put you in the hot seat, oh, bud. Yeah. Uh, la- last week, I was uh, doing a lot of raid party. Raid party. Uh <coughs> Biggest NFT game right now, I think, that I can think of. Can you guys think of a bigger, bigger one? No. I mean, no. you said it was printing ETH. Absolutely printing. Absolutely nice. printing ETH. Yeah. I think uh, 
probably made about 30% of the total cost of all of the investment into the game, just in terms of uh, confetti rewards so far. And uh, all the NFTs are up about like 300% since entry point. You could do better. It's it's been good. A lot of whales playing. Uh, Nobody's selling. It's kind of like a slow moving game. Um, the fighter, there's two heroes in the game. Uh, well, there's two categories. Like there's fighters and uh, heroes. Fighters were crushing, but but I think if you want to get into the game now, heroes going to be really good. Uh, other thing I've been doing this week, uh, Stargate Finance launched. Uh, Stargate is a hot new sort of like bridge protocol uh, built on top of a uh, layer zero, which is a really interesting project we can talk about sometime. Uh, but so raid party heroes, the floor is at 1.2 right here. And the, the fighters are at one and raid, wow, the heroes, di- the heroes should be worth more than the fighters. Well, right? the fighters were one and a half and the heroes were about one point uh, nine. So they're, they're starting yeah. to move. Yeah. There's a, there's a dynamic in the game where you're like, you have to burn fighters to kind of summon. And there's a whole oh, lot wow. of stuff going on. It, it can be a little overwhelming. I thought it was kind of like a, a wolf sheep scenario. It's not. It's it's sort of like that, but but a little bit different. You know, which so, one are the wolves? The fighters or the heroes? Heroes, heroes. would be more analogous to the right. wolves, but they, they they don't really steal anything. You kind of just all fight bad guys uh-huh. and make confetti. Okay, it's a great Ponzi scheme. It's great. It's very <laughs> I mean, it's it's fun very as long as you're up three hundred percent. Yeah, um, sounds but, great. Yeah. That's good. But uh, so Stargate, if you want any uh, stable yields as well, it's been like it's like thirty mm. percent. Yields on like Tether. It's on. It's on every chain. Phantom. What? what? Uh, Polygon. Oh yeah, this is this is big. This is like the biggest thing everybody's talking about right now, as far as new protocols. What's the uh, website? Uh, Stargate. Uh, I think it's Stargate Finance. Stargate. I don't know. I'm just pulling. Is this out of my purely book. for stables? Like this is what you. This is the primary function. Like the primary alpha is like you'd go there for stable. Yeah. Port. So you, you're farming the the Stargate token right now, which okay. is absolutely mooning. It, it was up like four hundred percent in the last couple of days. Last time I checked, I don't know if it's still there, but Sing, yeah, single sided or single sided. Wow. Yeah, twenty five twenty five percent on USDT. On USDT. I mean, basically every single pool is twenty percent. Amazing. Plus. That's on arbitrary. Okay, yeah, it's, it's on, on every everything. Chain. It's on, on every literally. Chain. Everything, yeah. This, this is like the biggest farm in, in DeFi. Solid right now, alpha. So highly, this is solid. Highly recommend. L- legit project too. Like really legit wow. project. Uh, mm-hmm. layer, layer zero is a, a big thing. Very juicy. Yeah. Very so, juicy, my friend. That was, I like that was it. my week, sirs. Good shit. I'm just Nicely getting done. used to like looking at you guys <laughs> and not I'm still looking, looking at, at screen. my screen. Like I'm super weird. I like that there's a, a computer in between, sort of protecting me from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it is comforting, isn't it? All right, go ahead, Eric. Uh, hold on. What the fuck? Hold on. Nick's Sorry. video cut out for a bit, but My I think video it was there. It was, yeah, I think you're okay. Oh, okay. No, you're all good. Who the hell knows? Okay, yeah. So uh, I don't have much for you this week. All I was noticing um, was a lot of um, near naked bodies around me in Tulum. <laughs> so, Tulum uh, Alpha. Tulum like Alpha. Give us some Tulum Alpha. Uh, Tulum Alpha is like go to Papaya Playa Project. That's one of my favorite clubs in the world. I've been all over the world. That's a good club. Uh, I did. <laughs> I did notice that. That is uh, fair, Alfalfa. That's fair, Alfalfa. Yeah. I did notice that um, our call from last week was pretty solid, spot on. That like the market would bounce after FOMC. Mm. Yep. Market responded. Quite the bounce. Yes. Market responded nice. exactly as we predicted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still near term, a little bearish. So I, I might re-enter the shorts soon. Okay. But yeah, that's all I got. 
I'll go. Um, so look labs that, uh, Nick and I are involved in. We talked about last week as well. Um, sold like an ETH and a half worth of the assets so far and staking the rest. This is the weed game. Yes. This is a game that's, I, I, I would say it has the potential to be like raid party and it's, uh, sort of a cousin to Wolf Game, and it's actually happening. There are actually things happening, unlike Wolf Game. Um, but started selling uh, started selling those assets, staking the rest, and I guess you have to, I mean, I don't want to get into the details of one game, but I guess my little marijuana buds have to be staked <laughs> for like seven days to find out what strain they are. And then, I don't even know. Like, I was texting Nick, I was like, this is too much. Like it's too confusing. There's too many layers. There's too too much complexity. I, like, I just want to make ETH. These game owners are just like fucking with us. Like let's have them play with sheep and wolves and have them Dude. talk about it. Like uh, make fun of them. I'm making I you play to, like, with weed buds. First of all, back like I just like years. heard us. I heard us talking for the first time because I've like been in the conversation kind of and like yeah. I think just being like in Tulum, I removed myself a little bit. Now hearing it, like this is so stupid. All of it, <laughs> all of this stuff is so stupid, and like it's all wow. going to come crashing Goes down. To Tulum, I'm like wow. so. What did you do? <laughs> I'm so. Ready for this big bear market? Like I, it's coming. Like I'm just hearing us now. It's coming. Eric, you've changed. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I've changed. It's it's gonna get ugly for everybody. We're yeah, talking yeah. about buds, games, and wolves. did you talk to right click save people? Yeah, you did. <laughs> oh my sure god, did. he became a right click save. <laughs> I became one. I mean, to that point though, like, I, I mean, so I've listed pretty much uh, over the last two days. I listed every NFT that I don't have long-term conviction in, which is everything except like three collections, maybe four. Has anything sold or you just... You yeah, they're, they're selling. Like nice. I'm selling them for, for floor, close to floor. Wow. Uh, I want to get out. I, I'm not... I'm just kind of like... I think with a lot of what we'll be talking about today, which is related to Yuga Labs, which is related to ApeCoin... Um, I think there's going to be a, a huge sort of flood of capital going toward ApeCoin and going liquidity toward the metaverse. Suck. Yeah, it's a liquidity suck toward the metaverse that they're building. And a lot of people are going to have FOMO and sell their, try, try to sell their NFTs and whatever assets they have. And there's going to be, it's going to be a bit of a shit yeah, that's show. It's so nice that you have NFTs that are worth something. <laughs> <laughs> I always go through my OpenSea account. I was like, well, I should probably sell some stuff. And it's just... <laughs> A lot of stuff that's like zero. I was like hurting looking at it. I I saw. Oh my god! I saw this like lonely astronauts thing that I bought. I looked at the chart. It was like the peak, like seven and a half ETH. The floor is like point one. I actually I'm just sold, thinking about how that's going to be like a million dollars someday, and I'm going to have that sitting in my account, staring at me like probably. I mean, do we do we joke about this a little bit? Like the story about a Bitcoin pizza. The guy spent like thousands of Bitcoin on a pizza. Yeah. We're going to have this talk about oh, how we spent. Sure. Tens of ETH on a stupid JPEG, and absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll probably regret most of them, but hopefully the winners will will outpace. Yeah, I'm trying, to, trying to make it all back on raid party in one. Well, that sounds really <laughs> promising. What is that emotional bias called? Uh, <laughs> it's the one. Nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, pretty right. much done. I am preparing for a wolf game exit because I have a lot of assets in that in that game, and it's taking way too long, but. Um, I will unstake as soon as this current little game that we're in ends and uh, probably sell. Oh, they're going to dangle another carrot in front of you right no. before. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. They're going to get I'm you. Done. <laughs> I'm done. Anyway, over to you. All right, cool. So I did the, uh, a little bit of the same thing you guys did. 
um, I've been selling the NFTs, like I said, over the last, over the next few months, I sold my MetaHero, which I luckily minted a top 50 rarity out of 10,000. Let's go. So I originally listed it for 20 ETH. I got an offer Casual for casual twenty e. Just to clean I got an 20. offer for eleven. That was his ask. <laughs> I got an uh, offer for eleven. A counter was sixteen, and he, they accepted it. So okay. well uh, done. So only one little rebuttal. No, I've been okay. Yeah, it's been been a long time. Okay. Yeah, I've been trying to. Congrats. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Hell yeah. So uh, sold that That's bad huge. boy. I still have a ton of uh, Pixel Vault assets, so I still like the project, but. Um, yeah, depending on how they kind of move up and move down, probably going to uh, liquidate some. How do you feel about the Punk's comics? Because that's one of like the four that I'm like... <laughs> I am down big. Way down. Way down, right? <laughs> Feels bad, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, go look at the Punk's comic one chart, and whatever the highest point of that chart is, is when I got off a plane, immediately like opened up my laptop in the airport, and FOMO bought two of them. Putting yeah. on your wealth in beanie. Yeah, I remember fans. that. So, Sounds like me and Curio cards. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. He he, he ran <laughs> ran from the golf course. Ran. So <laughs> I did us. content today with Founder Magazine, uh-huh. right? And I literally told the story because the question was, "What was your first NFT?" and like, "How did it go down?" And I retold the story of us at the golf course, <laughs> me hearing about Curio cards, Stephen running to his car casually. <laughs> And like, yeah, actually, Jenny, he's like, I've seen this before. I'm not falling for this again. And just ran home and <laughs> scooped up the whole floor. That was great. Yeah, yeah it worked well. It'll work out. Uh-huh. Your cards will work out. So uh, just quick other trades. Uh, put some uh, ETH in Lido and then pulled out the staked ETH, put it in Aave and have been barring against it, kind of testing some hypotheses on how to potentially create an ETH retirement plan. So we've been kind of put it, working on a financial model where you pull out, you know, like roughly 4% of your ETH value every year uh, via loan. And it's a way to kind of pull out some cash uh, from your ETH value tax-free. So uh, currently, uh, through Lido's yielding 3.9%, my, my interest on the stables I pulled out is 29 but there's 1.4% of Avi reward. So my, my net borrow cost is like, we'll call it, 1.5% and the yield is 3.9%. So um, I think it's a good way during the years where you want to pull cash out and use it to spend, you could. Um, or Steve and I, just before we started recording, we're talking about you know just kind of compounding, pulling out ETH, putting in staked ETH, putting that as more collateral, and then kind of doing this recursive loan situation to kind of uh, juice your yields. Um, so anyway, mm-hmm. uh, playing with that. And I'll definitely I'm update very, more. very, very excited and intrigued about Lido. So well, what, I just started nervous diving about into it. this There's, whole idea of like liquidity staking and yeah, everything I'm, involved I'm, with that. I'm excited, but I'm also more nervous about it than, yeah. than excited. Well, what, because, what protocol are you using to use staked ETH as collateral to borrow Aave. against? No, Aave. Aave. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I confirmed it rebases inside of Aave. So like your staked ETH just naturally goes up while it's so used as collateral you're like in Aave. paying down your loan sort of. You, you could. Um, you could like sell off the ETH and like pay down the loan. Um, yeah. But I don't think you will necessarily have to. Oh, just your LTV will naturally decrease. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Your yeah, loan like to value. If you, have, if you have like a, if you're fortunate enough to have a million dollars of ETH, right? And we're getting 5% a year. Then basically your ETH like in rewards goes to up 50,000 a year. But you could just pull that out as a loan. Right. 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 And then because you're pulling it out as a loan, there's no tax on it, right? Yes. So it's it's kind of like earning like almost like 100k in California, basically, because right. it's just 50k free and clear. 
So as long as you're only pulling out like your ETH rewards, like your stack isn't getting any yeah. smaller. Right. You're getting a nice little is, uh, tax-free is, dividend, basically. Is that only on Aave on L1? Or is that also on like It's only L2 on L1 okay. right now, but I'm, I'm sure it'll I'm be sure it'll, on Arbitrum yeah. Optimism at some point. When do we want to like share this I wanna, model? I want to keep testing it. Okay. Um, because What's like the plan here? What, I just want to tell listeners like the model what this is, what to expect. Tweaks. And I don't think we've done like a proper explanation of this. So maybe, yeah, I mean, as well. basically what we're doing is, is modeling out the, um, growth of ETH, like using, um, a logarithmic, logarithmic regression. So basically like the, the returns go down over a year. You have a, a diminishing returns. Like we're not going to see 180% forever. <laughs> right, right, right. So we're, we're kind of working out that formula and then, uh, have some assumptions like, how much can you pull out every year? And how much are your borrow costs? How much is your yield? And then based on those assumptions, mapping it out for 30 years and seeing, you know, do you ever get liquidated on those on those loans? Do you get close? What happens if you get close? And there's yes. some assumptions in the model right now, like a, at any point, ETH could go down 75%. And are you right. still safe? So those we're just playing with. And I think it's important to kind of like prototype the model. Yeah. And so that's what I'm trying to do. And then we'll, we'll definitely, you know, circle around some people for some feedback. But I, I think it could could play out. We'll see. I mean, this is like huge. I think when we have this ready, the reason I'm excited about it is just to share it with people, share it with like alfalfa like listeners and watchers, because like ultimately we intend to turn this into this like retirement plan that we put out into crypto Twitter to give people this value from our show, from our collective like minds. So like I, I I'm very excited about it, even if it's imperfect, which I expect it to be. It's the ETH tax free retirement plan. Yeah, we need a good name for it. So if you're ETH listening, and you're very good at branding. Yeah, I don't know. We gotta. You know, yeah, we might need some suggestions in the Discord. We need, like that we need some branding. Yeah. Which one? E401k. <clears throat> E401k sounds pretty good. Our, yeah. For, yeah, it well, sounds good because it's like memeable. You know. I yeah. Like that. Let's uh let's move on to the first topic. So we're gonna go over a little uh, board ape Yuga Labs content. So I'm gonna try to share my screen and see if this works out. Um, nope, it's not gonna work out. Great. <laughs> <laughs> it's not letting you share. Let's, let's see if it works Sorry, out. I'll fix that in post. Ooh, ouch! It's not gonna work. Okay, cool. Let's here. let's move on. So the first thing I wanted to to touch on was the. Uh, ROI of a board ape. So do you guys, uh, I don't know, you guys probably saw a te- text I saw earlier, but uh, the, do you guys remember the cost of a board ape in US, six, US dollars? Like $200, right? Exactly. I think about it all the time. <laughs> so, so uh, at 0. the- 0.07, 0.08, mint? 0.08, yeah, mint. sorry, 0.0. Oh, I thought it was 0.06. It okay. was about $224. So let's call it 200 bucks to mint. And then uh, you got your board ape, and then over time you got your board ape kennel club, your mutant ape, and then you got the ape coin drop. So, so let's, fucking insane. So the headline up front is that it's about a twenty five hundred x, two thousand five hundred x on on your return. You're basically yeah. So your two hundred dollars, your two hundred dollars is over half a million dollars now. It's half a million, right? So let's yeah. let's break it down real quick. Um, what less yeah. than a year, right? Less than a year. What? Yeah, that's incredible. So I mean, you know, for all the losses we joke about, there's always this hope, I guess, or the possibility that these returns come out. So I mean, you know, risk adjusted. Maybe we're still making good good bets. We could talk about in the biases section. Um, but the board ape, uh, I think 103 ETH is the floor. So call it 300k, yeah. right? So and then the board. Ape Kennel Club, um, it's an eight ETH floor, so call that 24. 25K, right? Mm-hmm. 24K. 
Uh, Mutant Apes, I think they're about 65K. Yeah. Yeah, so call it like 65K USD. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, I think each board ape got 13,000 ape tokens at $13 a piece. So, you know, that's a chunky over 100K, you know, 150K ish, 160K ish um, bag. So you're at like 500 and something K. Uh, and some people. <laughs> Bought multiple, and you I know, mean, many people looking we know back to our group, multiple. the stuff we've purchased that have turned to zero. You know, some people would mint 40 of things, <laughs> and you know, so could have been, yeah, could have been multi, multi, probably like a decamillionaire, I think is the phrase, uh, from this thing. But, um, I think it's just good to, to, to point out the, the good examples, and you know, survivorship bias might come up in the, uh, uh, behavior, uh, finance section that, um, you know, uh, only, only, you only hear about the, the, the great ones, but, uh, pretty crazy. I remember like lamenting about punks, like when these came out and I had bought one too, but I, I was like, Oh my God, I'm so dumb. I like, I knew about this forever and I just bought a punk now. And then punks did like another 20 X at that point, like while I was whining about them. And then while I was doing that, I like passed up apes like i had a bunch of people show them to me so it just kind of goes to we, show you that like there's there's always opportunity in our, o- in our office i think just a week before board apes came out we had minted i think cumulatively like 60 of these uh bastard gan punks yeah some derivative of like punks and if we would just waited a week longer to do our degeneracy it would have uh, been pretty epic but um, i mean your timing on your punk was solid like, yeah it was good and i remember looking at board apes i was like oh i remember passing yeah you know? i was like oh they just copied the ape part of the punks that's silly and now i'm looking back i'm like they copied the ape part of the punks and that was smart so i mean mm-hmm. i think they definitely had some biases there i think if i minted apes instead of the bastard punks with like the same amount of eth i'd have like nine million dollars worth of oh. instead of Nine more million dollars? $800. (laughs) And uh, just such a near miss. So obviously massive, massive return. Um, But then there's like what's going on with Yuga Labs, right? So Right. So let's talk about their deck. So a a deck got circulated on online and they subsequently raised $450 million at a $4 billion valuation. Um, I'm pretty sure the deck that got circulated was not the final not deck. The real final yeah, one. I mean, like yeah. looking at it, there were there were some little weird things, but I mean, to point out, it doesn't matter what your deck looks like when you have real traction. Like you have traction like that, you make hundred million dollars plus um, in revenue. Like you, you could create your deck in crayon and you'd raise that kind of money, especially in this market. So um, I, I did like to see that actually, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a deck like a in cray- crayon raising a hundred million. It just says, "Fuck you, pay me." Yeah, yeah. seriously, <laughs> that would actually work. It would actually be awesome. So I I, po- I pulled out five slides. I think that are cool. Um, okay. The first one is something that I mentioned in the last podcast, and I think everyone will be able to pull up these slides. So maybe call them out by number. Yeah. Two. So um, like what slides we're yeah, I'm gonna look at. along I think this is slide uh, 28, or maybe we'll edit it in. Maybe yeah. we'll see. Um, so anyway, the the text in the slide just says. Uh, the Board Ape Yacht Club collections alone account for approximately 10% of the volume in OpenSea. Wow. And one of the things I mentioned last podcast was I think a con of this um, acquisition of CryptoPunks or the loser of this is potentially OpenSea because if Board Apes or Yuga Labs just tries to create a private marketplace for just their collections with no 
fee or no open C fee, maybe still the royalty fee. Royalty fee, but no open C fee. Interesting. They could they could pull ten percent, which is more than Looks Labs did. So or looks or rare. sorry, looks rare. Yeah. Um so right. anyway. It'd be ten percent right shaved right at the top. Yeah. Right. Amazing. I don't I don't know if everyone would do it. Not but everyone, like, but it, they would sort of have you an incentive get, to go. You know, comfortable with a new platform and still like, you know, using it, but I feel like they should certainly do that. Wow. I think the people who are paying like three hundred grand for an ape or probably okay with going to a different market, you know, they're probably at least if, if not power users, they're at least, you know, relatively wealthy. One would think. Yeah. I mean, and they acquired, I think they, they own the marketplace that punks are sold on. So at the very least they can, you know, use that code use, yeah. to, to create like a pretty You're referring similar, to like Larva labs marketplace for crypto. Yeah. Punks, so if you right? go to Larva labs website, yeah. you can check out the punks marketplace. It's, it's pretty simple, but it's functional and it works. Yeah. My first reaction to this was like, it's annoying, but to Steven's point, it's a good counter argument. It's a huge investment. What's, what's annoying? Just like the, the, the separation of these platforms. Like if they do go that route, Oh, like, you know, it's just like, not utilizing looks rare or open C and yeah. We'll get, I mean, it we'll, makes sense. We'll get an aggregator. What's a, well, gem, uh, gem is an gem aggregator that's getting some traction, which right. Yes. Real quick. Do they have a token? Mention what that is. I don't know. Do uh, they have a token? Steve? Gem is an aggregator. So when you list on gem, it'll automatically list on open C and looks rare. Because mm-hmm. I saw that looks token has like come, come back to life over the last seven days. It kind of doubled. Yes. So I'm stoked that I'm yielding, Whatever, four You're or five. Still in there? Four or five percent <laughs> on my I'm in there. ETH what? in in Lido. I bought a little bit back, but not no. as much. I, but I mean, you're getting a hundred percent. Might not be the bottom though. You're yeah, getting a hundred percent return just in ETH, in and ETH. you're getting additional like seventy five percent in looks tokens. Let me. I haven't been there in a while. Let me check the rewards tab real quick. Uh, yeah, yeah, hundred trust. Hundred eight percent in ETH. 180 percent ETH. 108. Oh, 108. 108. So let's discuss these aggregators and marketplaces, though. Like Stephen, you kind of made a casual comment there. I think it's worth like. Yeah, like I think in the future, like we're already seeing this. We we talk about like the Argent wallet a lot, just because I think it's a good example of building out like a normal app that people use on their phone, Mm -hmm. and it's easy to use. You click some buttons and stuff happens, and it's running on crypto rails. But to you as a user, you don't you don't see any of that. But it, it seems inevitable that that will happen in NFTs, right? There'll just be some app where you're like, I want to buy an ape. And then you just like click the buy button on the ape you want. And that app may source liquidity from like five different NFT marketplaces where apes are traded, right? And that all gets like obfuscated away from the user. Like, I don't think 10 years from now, everybody's connecting like a hardware wallet and going to OpenSea and giving away their seed phrase and the discord and doing all this stuff. Yeah, like, I, I, I just think we'd move away from that. It's especially in NFT land. Maybe so ultimately this looks stuff. like a mobile app. Basically the yeah. front end is just like a simple mobile first aggregator, like gem, gem, shut up, gem, <laughs> gem dot X, Y, Z, right. Is the site, um, or genie. Most people seem to like gem. More. Yeah. yeah. Gem is, in my opinion, like way. What's the site? Better done. Gem.xyz, I think. Than Genie. I've used both of them. I've only used Genie. I got to use Gem. Genie's <laughs> cost me a lot of money on. What sort of fees? Transactions. What sort of fees does buying Gem stuff at prices that it, were like somebody changed like the listing to like 3x? Does well, Gem charge its own fee layer on top of uh, sort of, you know, using OpenSea or Looks or wherever they. I don't. 
know if they're doing that. Push liquidity too? Yeah. Okay. So the use case so far is more for sweeping up something off like the floor. Uh, it lets you bulk do stuff, which is really hard in NFT land. Like if you want to bulk sell like 15 NFTs, that's like, it's absolute hell to do that on open. It's even more hell to buy though. Yeah. yeah. It's, so it's, if you want to buy hell on directions. OpenSea, you're literally going in to each one. OpenSea isn't updating well, in real time. I stopped time. trading NFTs for a while because I wanted to, like if the floor is like 0.3 ETH, I don't want to buy like two worth, of them. worth your gas. I okay. want to buy like 30 of them. What's the next? That would take like literally an What's hour. What's the next slide you got? What's the next slide you got? All right, let's, let's talk about Jeff. So uh, next, next slide, uh, I'll read the text. And we'll build an SDK that allows collections, creators, and developers to build for any community who wants it creating an infinite ecosystem entirely available in our in-game marketplace. We're seeing it as an in-game app store. So they have a few other slides where they're basically saying interoperable game space, um, which any collection can tie their NFTs into. So they even included some uh, CCO projects like MFers in their kind of uh, preview video Hmm. of what's to come. So any collection can tie into their game space. So, you know, um, they kind of make fun of things like Sandbox, where it's just like this place, or Decentraland, where this random place where you go to and show up. You hang out and have a yeah, virtual conversation. Like, that's super boring. What do you, yeah, what is the purpose of that? There's no challenge, as they say, yeah, right? I, I don't know. Yeah. So, so it's, this seems a little half-baked, to be honest, but it, it does seem like that they're trying to go for some network effects, like let any collection that even non-Yuga Labs come into their game space and potentially play games possibly. But the more important part for me is that their compass is pointed in the right direction. Right. They're thinking about the idea of a metaverse in the right way. Right. Like the comment that they've made publicly about like showing up into a virtual space and just having a conversation and it being useless is absolutely correct. Like nobody really wants to do that. But what they do want to do is like play a game, have a, have like a challenge that we embark on win together. Some eight, win some more eight tokens, maybe. So yeah. would, you, would, like, would this be analogous to like saying Decentraland or Sandbox is like an app, but then you guys trying to build like app store? Yeah, yeah. A- app store. You like, plug in your app. It's, like infra- it's in this it's like infrastructure. Infrastructure. Right? Godfather just, mode, smart. Yeah. So we don't they'll know. Do they'll do it. No, I These mean, guys are smart. Yeah, they are. Uh, but I think it's, I don't think they necessarily have like a, a beeline to what the vision is. I mean, maybe they do. There's going to be a lot of players in the space. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I, I kind of got the same gut reaction you did, which is, uh, oh, Mushi's here. Hi, Mushi. Mush. <laughs> which is when I saw it, I saw like they identified a lot of problems that I thought were accurate, right? We're just developing all this land and then people go as some crappy avatar and hang out. But I didn't really see like good solutions that kind of were generally like hand wavy. Like, oh, yeah. we're going to build this thing and it's going to be great. And people are like, fuck yeah. I mean, they, specifically, they, they made fun of Facebook's version of the metaverse, which right. is like, show up in cartoon avatar and let's yeah. wave at each other and let's have yeah, meetings. Yeah, that was a good, and, that was a good Yeah, so um, who knows if that made it to the final deck, but still pretty funny they pointed them out. Um, third slide, three out of five that uh, we wanted to point right. out. Uh, the next one is a land sale. And I just want to point this out for the amount of money they're going to make. So they, they talk about 200,000 land plots. They're going to do 100,000 soon. 30,000 they're keeping for themselves and probably investors. 70,000 they're going to sell uh, probably soon ish. One ETH each? One ETH each. So we're talking about a, a haul of about $200 million. Ooh. 
Ooh, and guess what? We're all lined up to buy it. We yeah. all are. We're no, all how lined many up to buy plots it. are you guys getting? Probably a couple. Yeah. We're all I don't know. Lined. I don't We're know. Lined up to I, don't buy it. I don't know if I, I am. Know, I don't know if I understand it what, goes what I'm doing it. yet. They're literally going to sell the all seventy thousand immediately. No, they will. It doesn't matter. So for that reason alone. Yeah. I'm in. Yes, literally. <laughs> literally, just to sell it to somebody else. It's like a shark tank. Else. And for that reason, I'm in. Yeah. And, and Armand, you brought up this point, uh, I think it was a few days ago in the thread, that like you're a little bearish on other collections just because this one collection could potentially suck up 70,000 ETH it's in the next even, it's 60 days. It's not potentially. It's a certainty. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, Phil, I think you know if you have something that, you think is above market value and you have the opportunity to sell it. FOMO is powerful, man. It's so powerful. Everyone is going to fire sale the shit out of their <laughs> NFTs to get in on this. Wow. It's a certainty. I can see it. Yep. I can, I can see, see it. it. Um, but, and, and, and we saw the opposite when ApeCoin. That's why I'm ahead of it. When, <laughs> Ape, when ApeCoin got dropped, people sold ApeCoin and rotated in other projects. Totally. Like a bunch of other projects saw a little boost, you know? Right. And um, then that will all just repatriate back home to Yuga. It's a fickle space. I think that's like the main thing to take away in general that I've been observing is like how not fickle in terms of like the people that are in NFTs and crypto are in like they're committed. It's like wag me, you know, they're, they're, they're going all in on this, but what's fickle is the yield chase. Like that's, that's just always going to be, that's inherent in any, in any market. Like when, do we have a timeline on when land is launching? So, uh, I'm, so the next slide is their uh, timeline of what they're planning to release this year. And they currently have it as March. We're recording on March 23rd. So I doubt that it's going to happen in March, which also they, makes they're me They're doing it in two, two segments. Right? right, correct. So the first 100K land sale is in March. The, the other 100K is Steve, somewhere in August. Steve, what do you August. think about this? Could you be more specific? I don't know. I just want like your... your like, have you gone... Tell being, me why we're stupid. He's just so reserved. Yeah, I want the Lord. I want the Lord take on this. You know, so reserved. I'm still like thinking. You're thinking it through. This. I can tell. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah I don't You're not like, ready to just like annihilate it and and call it's it. It's an the interesting best or question. Like, how do you value digital land? Right. It's sort of analogous to the real world, right? Like a lot of people say, "Oh, metaverse land is stupid because it's like." It's not are you really worried? rare. Are you worried that it's not scarce? I am. But like real land isn't really scarce either. Like if you've ever flown from LA to New York, there's plenty of land, right? It's not like we're running out of land. What makes the land ah. scarce is that there's particular Demand. shelling points, right? Yeah. Where people aggregate and then you get these network effects and then those areas become like, especially if they're adjacent to an ocean, because then you actually get. Yeah. You said this in the last episode. It's like coastal real estate is in demand and it's scarce for that. It's scarce. Like, and like it's San demand. Diego is the perfect epitome of this, right? Because you got the ocean here and then you got this like mountain range here, but we're beyond it. The climate just turns to crap, right? So it's just this little strip along the yeah. ocean and there's literally no more land. Like good luck trying to, build a house anywhere. So you know? in the metaverse or in, in digital landscapes, we'll see the same thing. It'll be if, like, if, I want the house next to Snoop Dogg's in other yeah, words. Or it's like, if, if Yuga becomes like the Manhattan of the metaverse, right? Then yeah, if there's like enough demand and there's like a, and they don't like just keep printing more land, then you could see a similar phenomenon. I would love to see if anybody actually should look into this. I wonder if anybody's even attempted to value, like put up like a model on 
on metaverse land. Nobody knows what anything is right no, now. No, everybody's just pulling stuff out of their ass <laughs> right now. Like we're all just anything. Well, how it's, would you even set the upper bound of like you know like total metaverse GDP? Like how would you even go about setting the ceiling on it? That's that's like an easier question. You can't because the velocity of money is so much higher than normal. And velocity yeah, I don't is think one that's of the variables within GDP. Of course. It's yeah. going to be interesting to see like what people create for like utility in your land, right? Because in the real world, land a lot of land has value because it generates cash flows. And then we just simply yes. attach multiples to it hmm. on the basis of like the risk-free rate plus some sort of well, markup. Well, you, ma- you right? made it seem akin to an app store and we can value the app store sure. of you their know, rate. App. That's a good way of valuing like Yuga's protocol, I guess. But the individual land, I don't know. I don't know what the land plots do yet. I'll say that like if, if land somehow just cash flows ETH and I can actually sell mm-hmm. something and there's a liquid market to convert it into ETH whenever I want, that's exciting Allowed to me. devs to sort of do their thing. Yeah, and just there, I think there will always be this Ponzi-nomic thing around it. And the only thing that you can do to escape Ponzi-nomic, Ponzi-nomics is to allow your token or your land plot to be accessed by other networks, right? So like the dollar uh, is accessed by, like other people accept it, right? The sandwich shop accepts it, the liquor store accepts it. So if they can somehow integrate other collections into the project and somehow integrate ApeCoin to those other projects, then it could potentially escape that Ponzi-nomic. So your, your land may earn Ape and then you could turn your Ape to ETH. Did you see this, by the way, speaking of ApeCoin, mm-hmm. did you see that uh, 11 in Miami is accepting ApeCoin, uh, 11, 11 residents, 11 residences. Yeah. Never, never heard of that Dude, club this, this, before. What's up? Sorry. What? Isn't 11? this just like, isn't this just like the old days what? of what like 2017 <laughs> where some business like overstock.com was like, we accept Bitcoin, but nobody paid in it. It was just like a pure right. PR. Pl- like who's going to roll up to 11 residences and start paying rent? An ApeCoin an ape millionaire. Yeah. Why yeah. not? I'd turn that straight into a, Condo. I just put that straight in the box of like marketing hype. I think you're mostly right, but it, it, it pivots to like a really interesting question of like the utility of ApeCoin in everything if Yuga sure. Labs is number one. Like if sure. they yep. just annihilate Sandbox and Decentraland and you buy your merch with ApeCoin from Bake and Make and you buy your land and you buy your upcoming drops and NFTs in ApeCoin, like so I, I mean, that's to your point, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep us moving because yeah. like the, the timeline has a bunch of stuff. And the, the one point of this slide, I believe it's slide like 82 or 83 in the deck if you're following along. I'm just going to list off the things. We have no idea what these mean, but I just want to point out how much stuff they're planning on shipping, which is really hard to do as <laughs> no a company, no matter how big or small you are. So um, they have a January... Uh, Board Ape versus Mutant Ape App Store game. That's delayed. But anyway, that's on the on the token. Uh, Ape token and Metaverse land sale, the first 100,000 lots. Uh, May, airdropping codas. Uh, June, Ape Fest. August, the trial of Jimmy the Monkey, plus Metaverse sale of the second 100,000. September, uh, some game of Board Apes and Mechadog, plus an ultimate Mecha Ape, whatever that is. October, Mecha dog versus mecha like monkey. Mecha? Mecha. mecha. It's like a robot. It like doesn't. M E C H A. A mecha. Oh, a I thought M E C C A would be mecha. No, no, it's no. like a like a transformer. Okay, cool. Well, uh, 
you guys are bigger nerds than I am. Uh, <laughs> Mecha, Mecha Dog versus Mecha Monkey Invasion. Uh, December merch drop. And then, of course, they're going to have their uh, like secondary sales throughout the year. In no matter how big of a company you are, that's a lot of code to ship, um, which leads us into the last slide. Five of five. I want to point out the income statement. I looked at a lot of P&Ls over my uh, short short career, and this one has some just like... Before you move on to the income yeah. statement, because yeah, I sorry. think there's plenty to talk about <laughs> with like the financials. Can, let's just look at that roadmap really You want to go quick. back to the Mecha Dogs? I fucking... <laughs> I love these guys. I actually have like really... I really admire Yuga Labs. I really think that what they're doing is so goddamn good for the space and so important. We talked about this in previous episodes. The importance of like understanding product and being able to market that product and make it exciting and sexy and how boring things have generally been over the last couple of years. Not boring in the sense of like the activity levels, but boring in the sense of like the ability to appeal to people, to the mainstream. These guys fucking get it. I admire them for that. Not only have they done this, build a $4 billion company in like 10 months, which is, has anyone ever done that? I don't know. Not only have they done that, but they've laid out a roadmap that is so exciting that everyone is paying attention to. And like, will they ship perfectly on time? Maybe not. Probably not. No one ever ships on time. But the fact that they're even telling us what they're going to ship and how it's going to go, to me is just like, I support these guys 100%. And I know there's controversy with like the whole CryptoPunk thing that we talked about last time and everything that's going on there. But like in general, these guys are doing good goddamn work. That is why Larva Labs sold to Yuga Labs because they looked at these guys and they said, they understand business, they understand marketing, we don't, we're product creators, we're artists, let us do our thing. These guys understand both sides of the spectrum. Mm. I mean, roadmaps are great. Everybody's got a roadmap. What's really good about Yuga is they ship. Like everything they've done that I can think of is nailed it, right? Everything from the the Kennel Club to the, 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 the mutants, they've launched projects, they're all successful. That treasure hunt they had was really epic. I don't yep. know if you guys remember that. Mm-hmm. It, they've, so they've got a track record, and I think people are starting to kind of bet on them like you would bet you on guys any sign other up? startup. Did now. you guys sign up for their um, full registration, their like full KYC registration? They said they did not no. even uh, give hints to what it would be used for, but it's like, hey, sign up for this. No, and- so I went to the site, and maybe we shouldn't even click in on that because it was like, all it was was like, Connect your MetaMask. There was no like KYC. Oh uh, well, there I was saw a tweet about. I don't. It. I don't know if it was like the one that um, Collective Shift tweeted or whatever. But mm-hmm. that, like earlier in the month, they had that registration okay, process, okay. and like a lot of the guys that are in the CryptoPunks chat uh, did. Oh, register. Mushy smells like other dogs, and that's very rare. He was at a uh, uh, what do we call it? like a doggy daycare today. Mushy's adorable. Mushy, I, I love the moosh interruption. <laughs> um, all right, okay, I'm gonna go going to go over the income statement. Yes, so yes. first, I just want to give the highlights. So 2021 actual revenue, $137 million. Uh, net revenue, $127 million. And if the net revenue sounds like the total revenue, it's because it's true, because yes. their, net, their net profit margin was 93%, 92%. And... Um, I've also never seen a company execute right. that. So that's that's a beautiful thing. I will point out the glaring thing for most entrepreneurs when they look at this. Um, the advertising line item is $2 million out of $137 million. So you're talking about 1% to 2%. Incredible. Most things in consumer 
technology, consumer products, they require user acquisition spend, and it tends to be one of your largest line items, if not your largest. So the fact that they built this community and this this company off one to two percent of revenue towards user acquisition, and it wasn't even like direct user acquisition, it was like let's put on events for our existing customers yeah. is more about activation than anything shows the power of web three. Some of the things we've talked about in prior podcasts that, you know, when, when your customers are owners, they become your marketers. Um, and, and there's definitely some, some effects of that. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, one other thing to point out, uh, payroll and benefits was a grand total of $60,000. What? Are they Nobody's getting paid. No one's getting paid over there. All working for free. So, oh, they all got like three bored apes and called it a exactly. day. Exactly. Yeah. So in oh. in Web3 land, you could pay people with Here's magic internet money. Here's an asset for you, and yeah. an asset for you. Here's magic internet money for you, and good luck. Um, uh, so just to check that, though, there was $6 million of cost of goods sold. Probably a lot of uh, headcount was put into cost of goods sold, um, along with some other like software, I'd imagine. Okay, looking to 2022... Top line, $540 million in revenue, $455 million of net profit. Um, still, still, same. Like 90%. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 80, 85% net margins. Um, still, only $15 million going to like advertising and community building, two-ish percent of, wow. of revenue. So I think we're seeing the power of an example of a Web3 company at scale. And I'm curious to see what OpenSea's are because I'd imagine we'd see some similar dynamics, similar ratios happening. But pretty cool to see these financials, whether they're absolutely accurate or not, uh, to to go through them and and see, um, you know, what's what's under the hood and what this new cohort of technology companies might like look the, like. It's the most impressive startup maybe of all time. I mean, Google, uh, Google is the most yeah, impressive business of all time and they have uh, not as high margins as this. So they weren't making half a billion dollars of net profit in year one. Either. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think uh, you could wow. and get even close to the scale that, that Google does. Sure. But, but just to like, I guess perf- compare the ratios of the two companies. It's a great start. Yeah. It's a great start. Um, I'm sufficiently bullish at this point. Okay. Anything else we want to talk about? No, I, I think wanna, we should. I want to talk about the coin a little bit, though, right? All right. I know we should. Okay. We, we're also we should. pretty deep into the podcast. We have two more segments, but That's yeah, right. we should. We could always just not do them. It's fine. We could do whatever we want. Okay, what's the, <laughs> what's the price? I'm not looking at me with it. If I was a structured guy, I'd be upset. I'd be like, Are, no. Did you sell your, you're the only one who got ApeCoin in this group, right? Did you Did you sell? Okay, so ApeCoin right now. No, I have right not now, sold any. It's at $13.62. Like $13 billion. Valuation, right? Fully diluted, yeah. Fully yeah. diluted valuation, about, what, $2 billion? $2.2 billion market, market cap. cap. Fully diluted, uh, it's like $13 billion. All-time high was $17 so far per, per coin. So will, you're holding... Will we, will, we see, will we see that again I'd in the next couple weeks? i like 75% of this. Would you? I thought, oh, I, was gonna, I, thought I would sell. We just I think, talked uh, about all the reasons why this I'd is going to be absolutely mad. Oh, you guys are 100. crazy. Do you want to hear an argument for not selling? Because I originally, when this launched, I was like, I'm well, hold on. We just gave a full, thing. we just gave 45 minutes of reasons why you wouldn't sell it. That's yes. why you should sell because yes. the, 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 the hype's already The there. hype is real. It's here. So it's like the hype is building for this unknown sure. future. Yes. And like people are expecting it to happen. Like there's many reasons why this could go wrong. Totally. And like it has to kind of all go right to reach a $13 billion yeah. market cap or, you know, fully diluted valuation. So my personal plan is to sell 
Right around here, like around. I I set like a price alert on CoinGecko of like fourteen twenty five or fourteen fifty or something like that. That's just what felt comfortable. Cool, uh, sounds reasonable. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you know what this thing would be worth if it had the valuation multiple that like Ave does in terms of earnings? No, good question. Ave, Ave trades at a hundred x earnings multiple. Well, hold on. What's what's confusing is like what does this even give you? What does ApeCoin give you even access? The to? same thing that Ave gives you access to like. Governance, right? It's just a governance but, coin. You don't but, own Yuga, but labs. this is this is better, right? Like, so I've grown very disillusioned with like the DeFi tokens because they're just <laughs> they're just governance memes, right? Yeah. But these metaverse coins, like like even even like Wolf Games token, right? It has utility in the ecosystem. It, it's like needed to to do the stuff, to play the game, to do everything, right? So I would almost yeah. rather not, not even almost like I would rather own like an ape than I would like own like. The Uniswap token. Fine, right? fair. But either way, it's just these but, are liquidity. The use case is liquidity dump. Dump your your realized value. Sure, but like, if the market is valuing these other things at that multiple, what is what is they're going to do four hundred million in earnings this year? That puts it which at you a don't get access forty to, billion, which you don't have any access to. Or any you don't have to. any access to them in the other stuff too. That's my point. Like the market right, is all comping. Suck. <laughs> right, but if you're at least valuing it at a comp, then you can make an argument that it's still like six or seven x like undervalued, like relative oh, to all the other values. They're all overvalued. And you look at the charts of all of them; they are like freaking straight down. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but maybe they bought. So, them. how do you value comp this? Like, what's the closest thing we can look at? Would we look at a metaverse? Like, I mean, a like like a sandbox. I think the best thing you can do is to look at like at least this. At least Yuga has like earnings. Yeah. Right? So the best thing you could do is comp it against other stuff in the space that has earnings. Like ideally, if the token also accrues value, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have to weigh like the inflation against it, right? So mm -hmm. like the circulating supply in this is two billion, but the FTV is thirteen and a half billion, which means like like ninety percent of the supply is still going to be emitted via inflation in the future, which is like the tricky stuff, tricky thing. What's crazy to me? Okay, so I just pulled up Mana, Decentraland's token. There you go. Market cap of Mana is actually four billion today. So I double got at eight. least double to go. So I that my my, I was hoping for like a mid twenties exit of fifty percent. I see that that's not happening at this point in the short term. Maybe not tomorrow, but maybe, maybe not tomorrow. Maybe you get there. But like, oh, totally. How could they not so get five point seven? Billion fully. Diluted. This coin will be at least twenty five, thirty dollars in the medium. I think like if you compare the two, I'm I'm way more bullish Yuga's product than I am. Yeah. What the hell are you gonna do with Mana? Right. So yeah. by that comp, I think yeah, twenty five so, bucks. So I mean, real quick, what you said, I, I don't think it makes sense to me because like, let's say Uniswap, the the DAO has control over the actual revenues, right? The DAO, if it wasn't controlled by A16 and Uniswap, the company and other investors you know, in a majority, they could potentially say, we want the fee revenue to come to the token holders and we want to earn a yield off it. But with ApeCoin, there's no possibility of saying, hey, we want all that royalty revenue to come to the Ape token Why, why not? Why not? It's governance. That's exactly governance what you Governance over could do. what? Governance over the entire... Have they metaverse. said that? I don't, I don't... Maybe I missed something, but I don't know if they said what it has governance over. Well, nobody in DeFi says you have governance over anything. That's part of the, that's part of the meme game. I think you know, they, can't, they can't tell you what you get. Otherwise, it's a the security. only use case of it is to direct treasury funds. Like that's the only that's the only real use case. I guess like you can you can talk about ops stuff. The, the like, other thing you're probably not valuing is that it's like very clear that ApeCoin could become deflationary because it could be like a unit of account in the system and be burned. Whereas like the Uni tokens, like probably never going to be maybe. I mean, let's not talk about hypothetical. But like, is is Yuga a DAO? 
because that actually matters, I think, in this case. Because if it's if it's a DAO, which I don't think it is, but if it is, then maybe you see like the they, coin, the government. Well, they, they, they have a DAO component. They, they've yeah. mentioned that they want to become de- fully decentralized yeah, at okay. some point. Well, in it's that quoted. case, then maybe the ApeCoin will have in, some and, value. And in that qua- case, to me, it's going to be totally underwhelming because every DAO, like the actual governance, sucks. Like, no, but DAOs, DAOs, the main point of a DAO is direct treasury. I think. Okay, so that's possible. But if you look at DAOs, like voting mechanisms, I think only like 10, on average, 10% of token holders actually vote right. in well, these things. Yeah, and- I'm with you. I hate I hate using gov tokens to vote for ops stuff. Like the ops should be handled by the leaders of the business, not by freaking totally some guy agree. in his basement. Like, Here, Here's what would be cool if, they, if the ape token holders, and I don't think they would do this, but if they voted to make the board ape non-fungible tokens or the mutant ape non-fungible tokens the actual voters which i think they great idea yeah great i mean idea. if there wasn't this opportunity to create another uh, couple I think, 10, 13 billion dollars in mark cap they probably would have done I that i sort of think they but, did that like that's why they issued it to that's why they airdropped them like that's sort of the idea because they they can make another 13 billion dollars in market cap or no they they airdropped the mutant apes and the board apes so that they can use their mm-hmm. apes to vote but they they'll use the coin as a mechanism I think they use it as a way to give uh, VC some some upside and also create an enormous market cap. Like tokens are useful. Yeah, I mean one day. Yeah. All right. Should we let's yeah. move on to the next yeah. topic? So uh, Stephen's going to tee this one up. It's so much easier to do this in person. I love it in person. Yeah. We can also pass already, the wine bottles back and forth. So we can nice. pass wine. We can look at each other in the eyes and go, Europe, yep, you go. Okay, next topic. Yep. <laughs> so intimidating. It's just it's easier. easier. Sit next to Armand. Yeah. <laughs> He's an imposing figure. He's huge. <laughs> the dictator. <laughs> you get the real life version. Right here. It's all traps. <laughs> it's all traps. Traps are in. <laughs> He's just doing. Just shrugging. <laughs> shrug, all day. shrug exercises all day long. <laughs> I haven't done a shrug in years. Oh man! All right, what's next? What's next? All right, so so with the caveat that this segment may age uh, very poorly because there is now yeah. a uh, let's new, not spend too much time on it. New very well. The, the point of this isn't to like talk about COVID policy. I don't think anybody wants to hear okay. that. But like, are we allowed to even say COVID? I don't know. Who cares? Can we get canceled? That's okay. We can't monetize <laughs> this. Uh, yeah, the point of this was to to more do a retrospective into what the whole thing taught us about each other, our relationship with each other, our relationship with government, what government is good and bad at doing, you know, just, just generalized lessons, not like, should we have lockdown? Is this disease? Like it, it, we're not, nobody here's a doctor, right? But I think we all learned a lot in the last two years, maybe, oh, maybe even a little bit about a ourselves. Great combo topic. Um, Amazing. I really like this. It's it was, awesome. it, yeah, it was designed to be done as we were kind of winding things down. We took all the restrictions off and everything, but you know, now China's locked down again and UK cases are spiking. So, you know, hopefully. Yeah. What, what was this uh, new variant? There's a new variant that's like uh, apparently infecting your, your gut now. It just keeps like moving down the body. Which is going to end up not, in your, yeah, not voting up, well. It's literally going to end up in your penis. Not voting well for the variant. <laughs> little lower COVID. COVID is going to end up COVID. in your penis. Hey, COVID starts making you impotent. Like people are going to start caring. A lot of people who are. I just want the tinglies. I just want the tinglies down there. You just want to feel something. You want to feel, feel something. Feel alive. <laughs> Anything to feel alive. A little lower COVID. Oh god. Yeah. Oh. Let's, let's hope that doesn't happen. Moving um, <laughs> on. But yeah, this is supposed to just be a discussion on like what sort of our biggest takeaways were from this whole disaster that was the last couple of years. Um, 
To me, it really, it, it really laid a lot of stuff bare, right? Like right out there in the open. Um, for me, it was like a combination of like, A, how really bad and useless our institutions are compared to like how they could be given how rich and powerful of a nation we are, especially if you want to expand this to like the entire Western world, because I think all of the institutions of the Western world that didn't exist on like an island, right? Effectively sort of failed. Um, but also like people's like complete loss of trust in those institutions, maybe not in an area like Sweden, but like certainly here in the U S right. And that was like the biggest problem is like nobody really trusted like the powers that be. And that's why we couldn't do anything useful. Um, but it wasn't just like the medical institutions. It started bleeding over into everything. And I think like virtually every institution that governs our life now, it, especially in the States, there's basically no trust in it. Like I'm, I'm like racking my brain to think of like a single government institution that everybody's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's super awesome. Um, and they don't exist. And that's, that's a real problem. Not just because like the next time this happens, like it might actually be like, really serious i mean obviously this was like a bad thing but like it wasn't like it wasn't like the movie outbreak so where you do know? you land i mean after all that being said where do you land how do you feel after having gone through this thing oh man i, I mean i feel kind of depressed because i'm not <laughs> i'm not sure where we go from here it, it the, the other thing it really laid bare for me was the fact that everybody is just making decisions and living their life and shaping their viewpoints just purely on the basis of which team they're on. Um, you saw people like completely shift their entire viewpoints on things like vaccines, just depending on like who the president was. Um, there was just basically like, we use the same standards for science at different points in time to, com <laughs> to completely different policy results. And like the only logical conclusion that anybody with a brain can draw in looking at all this was that politics took precedent over science. Like, you know, not that there was no science involved, but the number one priority was political ends. And if that's truly what the institutions are doing, then it's sort of understandable that the, the general population would react to that and be like, no, this is this this is BS. Like, I'm not going to uh, go along with it. So I don't know how you guys feel. But I think mine's, mine's, kind of my mine's good takeaway. to just like kind of start it out because I don't have much. But what, the one thing I got out of, out of all this is like I didn't care much for um, sort of like big government politics I, I didn't really care to follow it or anything and this really kind of like shoved it right in my face so i started caring and then like what i noticed broadly is something that like crypto also showed me it's like the incentives really dictate the outcomes in advance and what i saw with this whole COVID thing was like i saw just a whole incentive system that like the powers that be want to just remain in power want to grab more control you know nick's mentioned in the last couple of podcasts like they want to grab for more control and never give it back and that's sort of what I saw broadly, uh, but I'll, I'll pass it now. But that's that's where I landed. Yeah, like a dangerous one-way road of like power consolidation, and and it started to feel pretty authoritarian. It has felt pretty authoritarian, right? Like that's been the big concern is like, how much of this do we want to give up to the government in exchange for security? I mean, I think um, we've all talked about this to some degree. I've talked to each of you about this individually, but it's like if an existential threat was big enough, you would want to give some power to an institution because they have more resources, more knowledge, more access, I should say, to knowledge, like 
globally to come up with solutions that help everybody. Like if, if for example, this pandemic was one in which there was a mortality rate of like 10%, 15%, like something that wiped out like that percentage of our entire human race yeah, name your percent, globally, yeah. I think we would all be like, uh, help us, right? please, all nations come together Share your resources, share your knowledge, share your science, share your vaccines. Share your guns, please. Yeah. <laughs> and we would, we, would fi- we would want to figure it out. But in this case, it was a little challenging because everyone was questioning the severity of the virus in the first place. And one of the things that I wish we'd handled differently, I made a list of this in general. I definitely don't have to share the, the full list. It's not important. There's a few things in there that I think about often, though. Like the first thing that comes to mind is like, how I wish we'd let businesses handle themselves. Like to what degree should we have allowed independent, like individual human beings and businesses to operate? Like the fact that we annihilated so many people's livelihood hurts me and hurts them. And that's like one of the first things that really stood out to me about how we handled this that I think was just flawed. Like the fact that we told people, we know what's best for you. I don't care if you're healthy and I don't care if you're at risk. We're going to apply the same exact laws to everybody. Don't leave your home. I don't care if you're asymptomatic, symptomatic, doesn't matter. Don't walk into this business without a mask. We just gave like these blanket statements of like what we felt was the right approach. And I think it was nuanced as all things are. And we should have approached it in a nuanced way and left it up to individuals to decide for themselves to a certain degree and given support to the people who needed it. I mean, Nick, you and I literally on on flow, like the first podcast we ever did in week one of COVID discussed this. Like right. we discussed the importance of like protecting the elderly and the people with like, um, you know, any, any sort of like, uh, what do you call it? Condition. Yeah, pre- thank you. Yeah. yeah. Or, or anything that like any vulnerability, like some vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, you know, to your guys' points, there's definitely this need going forward of experts and people to have a mutual respect for each other, right? Like there's this clear tension between the general population and experts. So let's point out who experts might be the WHO. Uh, and without triggering anyone, like Dr. Fauci is an expert in in diseases and how they spread. Man, does that guy trigger people. Right, right. And so there's this lack of mutual respect, I think, between the two. And before, I will say, I was on the side of like experts. I'm like, this person fucking studied this for their entire life. They made this their like obsession. Like, we should trust the experts. But, but we've learned that we can't. right. Because the incentive structures yes. are flawed and institutions are broken. And I don't, I don't know if I use the degree. word incentive, but it's just like this natural uh, path that institutions follow for growth and survival, Corruption. like any business, like any community does. And um, now I'm on the more side of like it's it's the responsibility of experts to earn the respect of their population. Where before I was like. If there's an expert, just listen to the guy, the guy or, or woman. Like they're right? already the expert. Yeah, they're, they're expert. Just listen to them, follow the directions. The now, expert has to earn. I cringe whenever I see like a thing yeah. on Twitter now where it's like experts say, like, like I yeah. actually cringe now. I'm yeah. like, oh no, it's like a, it's like and, a ploy. And because of what you said, because they have this like, well, because I studied this for my entire life, I know better than you for your own individual situation. 
And that's the part where I think it, it kind of fractured for me and where I now put the onus on experts to earn the respect and not have this feeling that like, I know what's good for you, but like, here's what I know and use it to decide what you want to do for your own life. That's well said. Cause at the end of the day, even an expert, let's just say like a scientist, what is a scientist supposed to do? They take a hypothesis and they need to validate it. They need to experiment with it. They need to prove it true. They need to have it peer reviewed. Civilians, everyday people are another way to peer review your work. Right. So like to your point, like if it doesn't pass that litmus test, maybe it's flawed or maybe people are too psychologically brainwashed in the first place to be able to evaluate it properly. I don't know which one comes first, but <laughs> it's a little yeah. bit of both. I don't know. This, this is like, uh, I want like a politician or a leader of the country to like acknowledge there's, there's more ways to live this life. There's more ways to be an American than just one. You don't have to go down a certain path. And there's people who are brought up in, in different geographies and in, in different type of economic situations. And those probably impact their, their decision-making in situations like this more than like expert advice. And if you just stick to the expert advice, you end up getting this um, trust and authority more than you think. If you just lay out, here's what we know, here's what we thought was true and is now false. And I definitely think, imagine you're in this institution that is in charge of 330 million Americans and you're like, we need to keep masks for our first responders. If we tell people that masks help, they'll go buy more masks and then we won't have enough for the first responders. Right. Like, and then you end up in this thing where like you end up having to go back on your word when you could just say, Hey, listen, masks help, but we need them. We need the mask for the first responders. So if you have a lot of them, maybe consider donating them. And if you only have one, try treating people like (laughs) like people, people (laughs) like, and not, yeah, not dumb. Yeah. They really think we're all stupid. And like they, they continue like, to think like we're the, stupid. It's just like underscores everything they say. Is like, well, you're you're too dumb to really are parse we? this out. Are we? So we're gonna have to like, it's like lie. Price we would look, we would look at each other at this table and say we aren't. But then, like, do we also us four think that people are stupid? I think probably we look at each other at this table and be like, yeah, we think people. I are think stupid. collectively, people are very smart. If individually, some of them are very stupid. I also think the downside of that too is like, if you I sort even, of think the opposite. Yeah, I mean, I understand why you might think that it's an understandable position, but like, I I really believe in like the marketplace of ideas. I think like you can get a lot of dumb people together, but they can kind of actually achieve some sort of consensus knowledge on stuff. Right. And I I also think it's dangerous to have like one person in the authority, like the the, the highest position to be like, well, I am the one who's going to tell you what the truth is because you're too dumb. Right. Like if, if that person was like, you know, some godlike figure who was never wrong, maybe that would be good, but they're never, they never are. They're like a human and they're, they're fallible just like we are. Um, yeah, I, I think I think like if you look at the I saw people take away two opposite conclusions of this whole thing, which I think was like really interesting. Right. One side was like, this just shows you how like weak government is and we need to make it like a lot stronger so that I can do things. Right. And then the other side was like, exactly this just goes to show you how incompetent government is. And we just need to sort of get it out of our lives. Um I'm curious, like, where you guys, like, landed on that. Like, when, like, to, to your point, like, when I saw this, here's the thing I see all the time in government, right? Like, at my heart, like, I, I'm, like, very liberal, right? Like, I want to build a society where everything gets evened out. Oh, yeah. Like, I want people to start from, like, the same line, right? But in practice, what I always see is every time we intervene in stuff, we see the same thing, which is that, like, the common guy gets wrecked and, like, 
like insiders make tons of money. Like to your point about like the businesses and the people, like look at what happened in COVID. Like the 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 Elon Musk of the world, and maybe he's an yeah. unfair person to single out, but like the the biggest corporations, the, the richest people. They got so rich. And you know who got wrecked? Like all of the little guys who couldn't work, who lost their jobs, all the small businesses. It, this happens like all the time, right? So that's that's like kind of what I see over and over again. I don't know if you guys saw a different oh, yeah. thing, but that's simple to your cancel on effect explanation, by the way, is. from that's, last that's kind of the same thing. that clip, by the way. Yeah, check the clip out on Twitter. Follow us at uh, yes. the alpha alpha Twitter handle. Yeah. Check it out. Like when you have like all of this regulation, right? The powerful people who are adjacent to the regulation benefit from it, right? Even though we like to think it's like helping the little guy, it seems to almost never help the little guy. It seems to just like it's yeah, it's just dude. like there's people who are adjacent to it who can like pull the lever levers of power, manipulate the rules. They're closest to the money. They're closest to the laws, and they like always end up on top. So it's like, what do you do? You want to like level field you want to make society better but then at the same time you see that in practice every time you try to do that from the top down you just get corruption and you get like a further skewing of this happened in like communism too like everybody got poor right but in soviet russia or in the russia you have like oligarchs right there's people got like ultra 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 rich and then like everybody else is poor and like you know left left out the dry like what do you do like this whole thing just really underscored that for me yeah um, you, you did mention something that kind of illuminated the the fault of institutions a little bit because you, you talked about, I think we just briefly talked about um, when you view individuals, like when we look across from this table, we're like smart, you know, individual who can think for themselves and make decisions on their own. But the the larger and larger you pan out, the, the, the bigger the group, you tend to think that they don't have the ability mm. to do that. Californians, uh, Americans. Europeans, Trump voters, Biden voters, like the bigger the group, like somehow you dehumanize them to someone who has a mother and father, uh, a son or a daughter or a business that they run or a job that they go to, you dehumanize it a bit. So you feel like you need to like make these decisions for, you know, for them, for their safety. And maybe that's where a little like inherent fault comes in institutions and institutions aren't just government. They're, you know, PTA boards and, and you know, sports teams and all kinds of like up and down the community, uh, size. So I don't know. I think that's something to like be aware of. Um, just like as you're viewing the large and larger group, the less you de you know, you are, the more you dehumanize them. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Some, something to think about, but I think we generally fall along a li the libertarian path to, to so much. Like we want people to be able to make the decisions for themselves, but it comes in the balance when, there's something that like life at stake when there's something that you can spread and we live in a more network society. Like how do you, how do you balance that? Um, and we're going to butt up against this nonstop over the next like 20 years. So I feel like this won't totally. be the first podcast that we, we touch on this. Um, I did want to make uh, one other thing about the, the COVID retrospective is that there was this clear technological transformation. Like we all, became more ingrained in technology. People uh, started working from home. And I think yeah. there's this growing uh, cyber vulnerability that just 10x the amount of vulnerability that we we have. So you have government agencies, you have uh, big corporations, uh, now people working from home, using their home networks, um, using their, their, their home laptops, and you don't have as much security. So I guess my, my biggest, prediction, you know, biggest prediction post COVID is that we're just like a 
a train wreck of a of a potential like cyber pandemic coming down the line. And but where I, does it where does that start? Like you, you're talking about like the ISPs get hit, or are you talking about just like you're you're now dehumanizing internet users to be stupid <laughs> idiots that can't like avoid viruses yeah, on their I, laptops? I'm talking about like the utility companies have their employees working from home. Potentially, right? Like you have the controller of a utility company working from home. Bad, right? They're on their home network. They're like not practicing good hygiene. You send an invoice to a controller. You, uh, you know, take over their computer. You potentially take over the network. It's certainly possible. It's certainly been proven that like other foreign actors and potentially non-nation state actors can gain access. And I think it's inevitable before this happens. And surprisingly, that that didn't happen before a global pandemic didn't happen. But the global pandemic literally accelerated the vulnerabilities of a cybersecurity pandemic. So I don't know a way to play it. Like, I literally want to put out of the money call options, you know, beyond actually protecting the, the people on somehow to, to bet, bet on this. But, uh, it seems pretty clear that like, it's going to happen and most likely not from a nation state, right? Cause like no nation state wants to set off like a nuclear war because of taking down an electrical grid. But you know, uh, some of these viruses have, have like replicated and kind of gone out of control. And I think we could potentially see something like that. So that was my, like one of my <laughs> retrospectives from, the COVID thing is like, wow, we're even more vulnerable to a cyber attack than we were before. And it was kind of very tangential to your initial motivation for talking Gray about swan, it. Right? Gray swan, right? Gray swan. Gray swan. Right. Not a black swan. Gray swan. <laughs> Unlikely thing that everybody talks about, but nobody does anything about. And then ultimately it, it like happens. Just happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you reminded me too, to just bring this around, just not totally shit on government. Although it's, it's kind of like half and half. Like, what was like the best thing we did in the whole pandemic? Hmm. It was probably the development of the vaccines, right? That was pretty phenomenal. They're so fast. Not the without, best thing we did in Not, what, in not without way? flaws, right? But like if you take a step back and look right. at it objectively. Like, Global like, wow, scale. Yeah. Uh, but what did government like do? They kind of sat there and they were basically just like a giant piggy bank, right? Yeah. Like here's a giant pile of cash. Now the market go do something. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that is kind of more of what government should do. Maybe, like, maybe we should look for more ways for like government to just be a piggy bank and then the structure stuff out so that it doesn't become like a cash grab, but it turns into useful stuff. But like when we have government try to actually do the policy themselves, it seems terrible. I don't but want, they seem useful yeah. as like a piggy bank. I don't like, want the government to be sort of like the VC fund that I'm, that I'm funding with my dollars. Like. Hmm. Pass. I mean, they're they're terrible. I mean, I mean, you're giving them your money. Would you rather have them spend it themselves or give it? No, to but like, they're going to take more money. You know? Like, obviously, they're taking more money. Just like they want more control, they want more money too. Like, so, question: you, You've already paid, the, you've already paid the money. What's going to happen? Tax rate? Tax rates going to go up or down? They always go up. Exactly. They go up, they go up no matter what. Exactly. They want more money. If anything, they should go down under my my paradigm because like the money is going to be spent more efficiently and it doesn't get like lit on fire, so they need more of it, right? Like if the government tried to develop the vaccine by themselves. We'd be like thirty years into it and like a hundred x the budget. For sure, like half the world. Would be I have a question. You can have it, but you can have it be fully privatized, like the whole thing. No, like that wouldn't have. Do you really think that we would have had the vaccine if it was like completely privatized? We, well, you need a buyer of last resort, and they they were the buyer of last resort. So I, my my question is: Did capitalism work? Obviously, we got a vaccine. Good question. The fastest. Did capitalism work? Because there was obviously profit incentive to develop this thing. Right. So, I mean, of, mRNA sort of, yes. yeah. was introduced as a 
solution for that very reason, right? I mean, how long has Malone and his team cohort of people, I don't even know if we're allowed to talk about that guy, been working <laughs> on mRNA technology? I mean, Stephen, you've kind of probably spent a yeah. little more time I think he only, looking at his work. I think he only worked on like a small part of it, to be fair. I don't yeah. Want, I, know I he think he, himself it's kind of like one of those marketing it. things of like yeah, taking a little like bit of, of these, extra. Yeah, it's like one of these kind of gray area things. But it's been a thing that's been around for decades, I think, right? Like yeah. in, in some capacity. A few, they, for sure. Like it's not like they just came up with this, right? People had hypothesized, I think, that yeah. like it could be used in this regard, the tech. And, you know, it just took a little bit of little bit of cash and yeah. a lot of like profit incentive and but it's, it's a good off. question nick is asking it's like you when 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 the incentives are in place and the motivation is there yeah you find some the, the, interesting the more difficult solutions. scenario i think yeah. is like the climate change thing right like the you could argue that covid may have gotten solved without government because like a lot of people were like literally going to die and in like a very short order Versus a problem that's like punted out like decades into the future yeah. and like the downsides are sort of like less immediately what, felt and they're shared. What is that everything. cognitive bias when like, you Ooh. know, <laughs> Oh, that's a great segue. Good so, yeah. transition. No, no, transition. Good isn't there a cognitive bias when like, you know, there's some, sh- there's some, like, in case you're not aware, we're on segment three now. <laughs> yeah, segment converted. three. There's like an Jamie, immediate need, slides. even though the longer term need is, or the longer term problem is like bigger. Is there, I mean, does any of four of us know of it? I'm sure there is. Is there like a label for it? The immediacy a, bias? The immediacy bias. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Pri- yeah. Primacy. That up. Is that a bias? Yeah. No, I mean, there's like primacy <laughs> I'll, bias, I'll right? I'll copyright like, that for you. Where the first thing you hear is is like the issue that you give or recency. Well, as humans, we're obviously not very good at like processing the stuff that is in the future and discount. This is like with the kid, like when they give the kids like the marshmallows, right? You could have one marshmallow now. That's exactly a good example for you it. Two marshmallows in the future. And like, that's what do really they choose? Hard. Well, they, they choose both. Right. And they, they make predictions about the kids on the basis of that, which in my opinion are a little, you know, they do that in psych. They try to like yeah. connect all these like, Oh, well we can predict exactly you're going to be a serial killer. Cause you chose one marshmallow, <laughs> uh, which isn't really true. But I think there's decent evidence to support the idea that if you're be able to like sort of like delay, um, gratification, it obviously has these like effects in your life. Like the ability to delay gratification has these positive effects and, it's useful because it, that's, it, it's hard because it's not people's like normal tendency. Your normal tendency is to like kind of gorge, right? Yeah. When you were out in like the wild, like 80,000 years ago, running around. So like you, were, you could be dead at, like tomorrow. You so just, I you wanted to, to go for it. Uh, just like a random, very, very existential like comment is like, <laughs> <laughs> this is the time for that. It's like the fact that we can even think about the future is pretty rad. Like, oh I know God. that we don't do a good job of it, Hits to your blunt. point, Nick, but like, Mushi doesn't think about the future. And he also doesn't all. think about the past very much because right. like his survival instincts are like, when will the humans give me food? Yes. And like, will I be alone for the next the seven hours? Yes. So it's a beautiful thing. And yeah. we're the only species that we know of that has the capacity to think into the future and care for something like our own planet and to make decisions for future generations what a wild concept like to care about what future generations are going to experience is is really wild but to your point we don't do a good job of it and we probably should do we probably should do better so right. let's shift into this uh behavioral biases right so um i think the the goal of this topic is that our human brain is somewhat of a software right it's it's 
it was engineered, you know, like thousands, tens of thousands of years ago to promote our survival. But because we have some bugs in it, it, it tells us that we're right when we're actually wrong, right? So that's the bug inherently in human software. So we want to be able to identify what are these biases that are like pre-programmed in our brain. And obviously you have a leniency to talk about these things when it comes to investing, specifically in crypto, because I think it comes about very often. Um, but also in life, like how you, how you make long-term decisions. And what's the benefit decision. of understanding these? It's like yeah, it, massive. <laughs> because you have awareness, you can then, you know, like separate it from yourself and be like, oh, I am not this confirmation bias. I am not this sunk cost bias. And I'm realizing that I'm tilting. And maybe it'd be cool if, if Steven could talk about as a previous poker player, like how to like be aware of these emotions when you're on tilt or when you're in these biases and how do you separate themselves and make a positive, you know, um, expected value decision in these. So I guess that's the, that's the goal of the topic why okay. we think it's valuable. Mm, cool intro. Yeah. Poker is like a treasure trove of biases that you have to deal with all the time. I think two two of them that are biggest in my life still. One is the 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 endowment bias, right? You value money that you already have differently. This is like really salient in 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 both gambling and trading, right? So in gambling, when you when you have the money already and you have like a bunch of money in front of you, you often play worse. Like you treat that money differently than if you didn't have it before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people play looser. They make poor calls. They they make bad bluffs. Like that. But when we trade crypto or stocks, right? Like we have this money, right? Like there's there's a couple things, right? We see it in the airdrops. We get this airdrop and we're like, ooh. God, like, I don't know if I want to sell this. This could like 20 X. Right. But if we honestly ask us the, ourselves the question, like, would I buy this if I didn't already have it? Good question. Often the answer is like, no, it's almost, it's no, almost it's never, never yes. to that degree. It's never. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, so that's like a problem. Right. But then the problem also comes like when you like you buy Solana at $10 and then it runs up to $250 and you're like, oh man, it's going to go to a thousand. It's I yeah. should like keep it. But if you took a step back and you owned no Solana at $250 and say you ran your 10 bucks up to like 90 grand, would you buy $90,000 of Solana at $250? Like usually like if you take a step back, you'd be like, absolutely not. But it's the same as you not selling it. I mean, like there's tax considerations, so I don't want to say it's exactly the same, but it's, it's, it's sort of the same. Like if you wouldn't buy it in that moment because you don't think it's good value, maybe you shouldn't be holding it either right so that's something i run into all the time the other thing that used to plague me in poker was like chasing losses like in reality in life we're all playing this giant game where we go up we go down and it's not just financial it's stuff in our life it's like achievements and failures right but there's like a human thing that in the moment wants to get back to even like we can't zoom out and see the whole long game that's like 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 this like chart that just goes up and down and up and down and up and down but sort of trends up and in the moment, like we hate when we go down and we want to just do bad, irrational things to get back to even. I do this yeah. when I play like board games. I do this when I play video games. I do this when I trade. I do this like all, like all over the place. Like I hate being dead. Like this happened to me a, a few nights ago. Like I was playing like Settlers of Catan on my iPad and I'm like, oh, I'm going to play one game. And I played a game and it was so bad. I got wrecked. They came in last. I scored like three points. It was embarrassing. And I was like, I can't end on that note. I'm going to play another game. Ah. And then I lost again. 
And I played another game, and I lost again. Double down. Six wow. games later, an hour and a half past my bedtime, I lost again, and finally, like, came to my senses, and I was like, "Jesus, I have is to, that a I have kink in the code of your brain, though, or just like a survival? Like, I want to win. Well, I, I know a lot of people who note, don't like, suffer from this. I know, like, tons of people are I exactly do. like me. Right? I do. Like, like, it's like a ga- like people yeah. who have like gambling addictions, right? Are like they have the thing that I have, which mm-hmm. is. Odd that and I was able high. to do that like, and so, not lose my mind. But like, yeah, yeah most people have that, but I, I have it real bad. It's like a constant fight huh. for me. I have a question for you, Steven. So you've played a lot of poker as a professional poker player. You've played low stakes. You've played high stakes. Did you notice the difference in your propensity to, to become biased based upon the stakes. So basically when the stakes got higher and you're playing I I don't know, Phil Ivy in a cash game online, uh, did your propensity to become biased? Like, was it, was it more likely to happen and did you have to be aware of it or, um, I would say the, the stakes matter. The, yeah. The stakes matter. Cause the really extreme stakes, I think snap you into reality. In, the, into reality, not like, yes, like when I, yeah, like when I was, when I was playing Ivy, it was for so much money that <laughs> like my, my, my hand was physically shaking when I was like making all the moves. I needed to use the mouse with two hands because I was, I was so scared. Right. So the worst is like the high, the, the best is the high extreme. Right. I think it kind of gets worse, the worst, like in the, the middle actually, where you're just kind of, you're, it's like enough for it to like kind of hurt a little bit. But you're—it's not so much of a pain point that it really. Sna- it, it, like for me, that was like when I when I, I used to play like a lot of twenty-five, fifty, uh, ten, twenty, no limit poker, and those are pretty big stakes That's still, big right? Like game. you you could, you lose the two thousand, five thousand a buy-in, but ten twenty was like really bad because ten twenty for me was the point where I could maximum tilt. Because it was the point where I didn't like hit a thing in my brain that was like, whoa, you got to stop. But I still like needed to get even. It was like the the worst of the worst of all worlds. So that was when I was like really at my worst. At, like when I got wrecked at those stakes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what's interesting is there's so many like former professional poker players in crypto now, but that are good at and crypto. Inter- yeah. 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 Like internet marketing and. Poker players. Poker. Yeah. Could be a survivorship like, bias thing, though, right? Oh, yeah. we don't. We don't ooh, see another all one. The poker players who got uh, wrecked because they're not on Twitter anymore. Eric, let's let's go to you next because, like, uh, you know, you're you're a professional money manager, and so like you particularly have to be aware of these things when you're managing other people's money, not just your own. So I'll talk about one. Uh, it's a cognitive bias called loss aversion. Loss aversion is is uh, sort of put in juxtaposition to risk aversion. Risk aversion is like the is the smart way to do it. Loss aversion is like what the the dumb dumb human uh, software malfunction hmm. brain does. So loss aversion uh, it basically plays off this premise that human beings feel worse when they lose and they feel good when they win. Okay, so you take that premise and when when you're afraid of losing, uh, you'll make poor investment decisions. So like let's take Ethereum as like a as like an example right now. So ETH is at three k. Um, ETH can go down, right? And that would feel bad. Like you're going you're gonna to feel bad if ETH goes down. But like the real risk is you sell ETH down at 2K and ETH actually goes up to its intrinsic value of, you know, 10 to 15K. That's like, that's the real risk. The risk is to the upside. So if you're a, rick, a risk optimizer, you wouldn't be selling ETH when it drops to 2K. You would want to hold it. So a loss aversion, like a guy who's exhibiting loss aversion would be like, oh God, I can't handle losing this money when ETH goes down. I got to get rid of it. Uh, so he'll he'll like feel that pain, dump his ETH, 
But like a risk averse guy will say like, well, you know, now now eats down to 2K. Um, you know, I've actually taken out quite a bit of risk from from ETH. I'll just hold it. Um, that's that's one that I think is very important. Do you, do you think that manifests in both sizing your positions too small and taking profits too early, which can kind of hurt you, Absolutely. especially in crypto because you Absolutely. get stuff that runs like a thousand X. Right. So taking profits too early can hurt hurt and like sizing. Like I, I know that I personally, the one of the biggest fuck ups I've had in crypto has been sizing some of my bets too small. Sizing too small. And I'm like, don't bet more than 1%. Don't bet more than, but like sometimes I just like, no. Yeah. Like pancake was a great example of taking profits. So I guess like, like with that, I mean, you know, I think we, the four of us have talked about this equation that exists where you can like help size your position correctly. Um, I think the Kelly criterion, right? Kelly criterion. Describe that one. What's that? You want to describe that? Uh, I can describe it in generalized sense. The, Ke- the Kelly criterion is a formula for determining exactly how much of your entire bankroll you should bet. Like a lot of people don't know this, but like there's a, actually like a mathematical formula that says like how much you should bet. Um, and it's, it's called the Kelly criterion. It's like a, it's like a, I think it's a combination of like your edge and the variance. I, I, I don't use it like a ton, although I, I, I probably should more. Um, but I think it's a function of the fact that like when you, when you lose like uh, 50%, you need like a hundred percent gain to get back to even. And when you lose 75%, you need a 300% gain to get back to even. Right. So it's mm-hmm. not like going ham on everything when you have an edge is necessarily best. It like is like good to find this number. I know a lot of traders use like, they, they use like a R like they're kind of like risk thing. They'll be like, Oh, I bet two R on this trade or three R, but like, you're never, you're never going to see a really good trader bet like half of his stack on one trade, even if he's like really, really, really sure. Because if you mess up, like you're in a hole. I mean, like simple framework is up. limit your, limit your long bets to 20% of your portfolio. And then, uh, always on the other side, meaning like don't sell too early, like always leave a little bit of a runner, um, in case there's a moon scenario. Yes. That's really good for, I don't even know if it's Meanwhile, you guys correct. told me to sell all my ape coin. <laughs> Well, never sell, all never sell all. Stacks up nice. To be to be fair, I, I rescinded my position on. Thank you. I heard here. that. Um, yes, I do think that don't sell everything is more of a psychological thing than it is like mathematical. Like the yeah. psychological pain of selling something that it's then huge. goes like a hundred x. It's huge. Is so painful versus the it's extra fifty percent it. of twenty percent that you lose if you sell. Hold twenty percent that becomes zero. In case it becomes a thousand X. Yeah. Like we have to realize we're like humans, like we're not like math equations and things yeah. just like hurt, even if they're irrational, you know, totally. it's like the reason why I'm not a hundred percent in crypto. Yeah. Even though I think it's like going to go up. Like I just, I can't, I can't deal with like the, I can't deal with like the intermittent pain, even as right. somebody who's like used to dealing with like loss. It's just, it's still too much for me. It, mm-hmm. Eric, I have a follow up question. So <clears throat> you differentiate between loss aversion and risk aversion. And I've heard people eloquently type this on Twitter that, um, you know, if you sell something too early, uh, it's because you didn't have like an original thesis on your bet. So if something goes down, we obviously all feel bad, but some people kind of feel good when something goes down. We're kind of all rooting for ETH to go down. We're like, yeah. right go now. down <laughs> so I can potentially so I can buy shove. more. And like, you, you almost get this like sense the of- The ETH shove is coming? <laughs> yeah, the shove. Full shove. You get this sense all of- in. Of, of comfort. So I guess the question is, you know, like if you are trying to sell something that went down, the question is the question, did you, is your thesis right? Or did you even have a thesis Good point. going in to your investment? 
God, and it kind of goes back to Stephen's original one because, like, yeah. my dear fiance is is dealing with this moment right now. Like, sold, <laughs> she bought sold at two twenty, now it's at ninety five, and she's like, "Well, I am kind of like anchored to this original price. I'm down a lot, but and you you do have to think about what's going forward, but like, you know, what's the risk of it going down for her today?" Versus like the risk of it going back to 220, like, you know, what are the, what's the possibility it goes back up? Like if you're really going to consider all these things in the meantime, she's just like, I'm just going to hold it. Maybe, maybe her thesis is strong. She's, she's in it for the tech now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It might not be a bad place to be. It's a cycle we all, we all go through at some point. I mean, it, it's a good all one thesis, right? I mean, sure. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's a hedge. It's a maybe Ethereum it's a hedge, hedge, you know, it's a good hedge. I got enough ETH for the both of us. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> just buy more Ethereum, and then it becomes an Ethereum hedge, and you're good. That's what I'm going to think about when you guys uh, say your vows out loud, is Ooh. his ETH becomes their ETH. <laughs> Do I include that in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the ceremony? Absolutely, yes. Oh, yeah, Mr. Uh, efficient. We want prenup. We want prenup. <laughs> <laughs> On which side, boys? Never been more terrified of anything in my life, by the way. Um, got this. Go on, I Mark. got a bias to share. And, and, and I'm sharing this bias more because I, I, I have experienced it, but more so because I think a lot of people experience it. Um, herd behavior bias. Herd behavior happens when investors follow others rather than making their own decisions. FOMO. It's FOMO. It's pure FOMO. It's FOMO. The number one bias that we see today that we don't have conscious awareness of the fact that it is a, it's, it's a cognitive malfunction. It's literally a behavior bias is this FOMO aspect to NFTs and crypto. So when I first got started, like, yeah, I told that story to founder today. Like I ran home and got the curio cards. <laughs> Buying those curio cards. No, 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 no. I, I'm still happy about it because I'm I'm in that one for like five to the ten tech. years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should wait to see what these curios do. They're this gorgeous. They're piece never going to get back. This shitty to picture of an apple, dude. They're so ugly. So they're so ugly. Hold on, don't you have like the Rambo? Like I have the barbarian. The barbarian. But the barb look the barbarian's a big deal. I think it's yeah. the first GIF ever. Yeah. On ETH. Yeah. It's I think badass. you should record yourself saying that. Play it back to yourself later and see what emotional <laughs> biases you're exhibiting. I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. The market's wrong. Is that like a self affirmation to tell himself <laughs> yeah. in the mirror every morning? <laughs> I am the barbarian. I am the barbarian. <laughs> Yeah, like the barbarian is the first gift. The barbarian is the first gift. The funniest thing too is I bought it because like I bought something else that I thought was the first gif and then I realized it oh, wasn't. God. It was just the first gif with more than two frames, which is a little arbitrary. See, and I then I was like, I need the first gif, so then I bought it. I didn't even know first gif was is it gif in in conversation. It's, wait, no, it's a gif, right? It's gif. Eh. This has been settled in I'm internet lore. I'm a big gif guy. Okay, the founder said it's gif, but that's graphics. The first word is graphics. It's a, it's an acronym. Graphics. Oh, do you light, light Do you G. park your car yeah. in the garage? <laughs> do you take out the garbage? Garage. Garage is not an acronym. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should end it there. Like my 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 cognitive biases are uh, pretty echo yours. So. Um, I think that's a good place to, to wrap it. <laughs> Nick's over it. <laughs> it's like, I have nothing left. Hour and a half. That was such an awkward ending. That was, yeah. <laughs>
And I was like, I don't want to go. That was that was a terrible <laughs> outro. Honestly, feel like I just got broken up with. Dinner's over. So I'm gonna leave now. I'll thank you for the bill. It's equally as awkward. Oh my god! Okay. I gotta say, we should do this again. In person's pretty fun, guys. We should do this again sometime. Pretty good. You guys are pretty cool, man. Yeah, I like you. <laughs> I like you, man. <laughs> Bring your friends. Come back sometime, and um, hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, drop a comment on our YouTube, actually, uh, if you're watching along with the video. We'd love to know what you think. We're literally all in the same room. We're gonna do this again if you enjoy it. And um, should we go live? Should we ever go live? Let yes. us know on YouTube. If you're here, if you're watching, oh my God, that's so meta. <laughs> What's up? We're all in the shot, in Nick's shot right now. Um, we have the capability to take this live. So if you'd like to see that, drop a comment and say, please go live. Let's do it live. What if all the comments are no? no I mean, that's okay too. <laughs> that's that's fine. totally okay too. <laughs> Um, so I've, I've, I've noticed that as we've gotten more com- comments, like the the trolls are starting to come out. I, I like love kind of hurts, on, baby. Kind of hurts a little bit. Let's I love talk. trolls. I'm not ready for it. Um, <laughs> hop in the Discord. Uh, we record on Wednesdays. Publish on Friday or Saturdays. We'll, we'll get like a specific schedule down. But in between, you know, during the days, you know, everyone's kind of dropping their thoughts throughout the week and throughout the day, and I find it helpful. Um, to like, instead yeah. of have it in our group thread, to have it a little more open. Yes. So I definitely think it's, it's worthwhile. So if, uh, you got some time and you want to have it up on the second screen, you got it work, do it. Yep. Join the combo. Yep. Everything's below in the description. And yeah, to be specific on this live thing, we would, if, if enough people want it, we would commit to Wednesdays at five thirty, five ish, something like that. We'll let you know, but we'd go live. We do this whole thing live on YouTube. And probably what we would do, we haven't discussed this, but we'd do a little Q&A segment at the end for those people that are with us live. I think that'd be super fun. I'm hopping into the Discord now. Or in the beginning. Let's chat it up. I'm cool. hopping in now. All right, guys. I think that's a wrap. All right. Later. Peace. Peace. Bye. Later. All right, you little DGens, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed. Head to alfalfapod.com for all of our links and socials. And if you want some real alpha, head to collectiveshift.io and join thousands of members getting the latest insights and alerts from a team of expert research analysts all there to help you create more wealth and freedom through crypto. And don't forget to use our discount code alfalfa for 50% off your first month. Until next time, see you then. Peace.